This is a HeadGum Podcast. The discussions on Robot Congress are for entertainment purposes and to help correct random people on the internet. Any law discussed is general commentary only and not to be taken as legal advice. Specific facts will always alter the case. Have a problem? Hit the gym and lawyer up. Hello and welcome to Robot Congress. I am Ryan Morrison and joining me in my journey to the stars is Austin Hoffman. And despite us wanting to see the stars, we may never go now as Space Force, the elite branch of the U.S. military created by Trump when he had nothing else to do, there was no <laughs> world disasters going on at all, is now potentially gone forever. Dead in space. Because of Steve Carell and his evil, evil Netflix army. Uh, wrong. Absolutely wrong. What we have here is not a failure of the U.S. government. What we have here is a failure of journalism. We have The Hill saying Netflix secured trademark for Space Force before the U.S. military could. We have Popular Mechanics, one of my favorite publications, saying, whoops, the real Space Force may lose its trademark to the fake one. We have Game Rant, a popular game publication, saying Netflix could fight U.S. government in court over Space Force trademark. We have PC Gamer saying Netflix secured Space Force trademark before U.S. armed forces. I guess there's nothing going on in gaming news right now. Military.com says, challenged by Netflix show, U.S. Space Force rushes to trademark the name. Newsweek. Says Space Force, could the U.S. military lose the Space Force trademark to the Netflix show? And all of them, all of these journalists (laughs) seem to have not spoken to even a first-year law student, let alone an attorney. Shame, shame, I know your name. I I guess we're just never going to make it to space now because we can only make it to space in our imaginations and in television publications. What none of these reporters seem to know is that's just not how trademarks work. And I guess apparently none of them have listened to Robot Congress either. On a previous episode of Robot Congress, we talked about Disney and Twitter and trademarks and may the fourth be with you. And what we learned on that episode is that you cannot own a name in its entirety for every single thing on the the planet Earth. In perpetuity, as it were. Trademarks are broken up into classes of goods. We've explained this a lot. We've tweeted about it a lot. Some journalists seem to know and write intelligently, but trademarks are broken into classes of goods. Trademarks are not there to protect creators. Copyright is there to protect creators. Trademarks are there to protect the consumer. Me and you, from knowing that when I see Space Force as a Netflix show... As a comedy starring Steve Carell, I don't think it's a military vehicle. And when I see Space Force as a branch of the U.S. government, that's a different class of goods and services. And I don't confuse those two. In fact, I can go so far as to know that one is parodying the other. According to The Hollywood Reporter, the Netflix show actually secured trademarks to Space Force in multiple places. So Europe, Australia, Mexico while the Air Force actually owns pending applications in the U.S., which also means, according to them, that this Netflix show actually has way more power than the U.S. military. By their own detective skills, 
the term Space Force is actually owned by a 1981 company called VentureLine that created a coin-activated video output machine. I would imagine it was a bad arcade game. They secured the trademark in 1983. However, that trademark has since died because they stopped selling the arcade machine. In fact, if we want to get really deep here, the first group to claim rights to Space Force in the United States government was actually... Austin, can you guess the branch? The Department of Agriculture. The actual government group that first secured rights to Space Force was actually the 1987 Young Astronaut Council securing United States Space Force for games and playthings, namely toy soldiers with toy weapons riding toy vehicles in toy forts and other dwellings for toy soldiers and other furnishings. That name sounds like Space Boy Scouts. And the description of goods is pretty hilarious. It sounds like the United States Air Force put this out for the Young Astronaut Council. Maybe this wasn't even the government and this was some other group. Anyway, this trademark died too. Cut to 1992, the Toho Company putting in this trademark for space, Megaforce. <laughs> that, that's not the same thing. That's America mega, even better possibly combat the space megaforce and it grew too powerful so this trademark was canceled as well and we reassessed our needs and we decided a space regular force would be quite fine (laughs) you have to be humble the next trademark that was here was from 1998 jumping ahead six years and the full trademark which is why it was filed by an individual kent anderson clearly doesn't know what trademarks work it reads calling all time travelers time explorers time voyagers all time rangers in this world and of other worlds travel beyond time, space, and enjoy our intergalactic time ships and our interstellar time foods. Experience the time force, dining and time travel at its best. Okay, so this person is planning on making an HG Wells style giant time travel device to go through space? What does this have to do with space? And no. you can eat there. Yeah, no, he filed this for a restaurant. So this was one of the most convoluted, confusing (laughs) applications I've maybe ever seen. What a wonderful pop-up restaurant idea. In fact, it's such a good idea. Disney's building one at Epcot. (laughs) (laughs) Cut to 2001, and we have the government, the actual Air Force, file the trademark for Air and Space Force magazine. So not Space Force, the Air and Space Force magazine. Wait, they're they're planning on putting out, is this like a private publication to be circulated between like military no, personnel? No, this is abandoned too. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone wants Space Force, but nobody wants to use it. So that's a lot of canceled marks, right? That's a lot of marks that have come and went. However, 2018, we have somebody who actually trademarked Space Force. And it is the Hop and Barrel Brewing Company for a beer they made called Space Force. So they have it. They have the first trademark for Space Force. This gets so frustrating because journalism and journalists constantly do this. They need to be the first to market. They see a tweet. They see someone else's headline and it spreads like wildfire. And then they all cite each other as their original source until you start getting legitimate big publications repeating the same nonsense. By their own argument, Space Force was actually trademarked in 2018 by a brewery. So a beer holds the (laughs) trademark to Space Force if we forget about classes, goods, and trademark law. Yes, if we ignore the actual ideas behind this stuff, then the beer has it and the Netflix show can't exist either. 
Steve Carell owes those brewers <laughs> so everything. much money. What these journalists don't seem to understand is that trademarks are not owned in their entirety. You cannot own the entire word, like I said earlier. But you can own is the word in connection with certain classes of goods. So that's great that the beer company owns it as it relates to beer. But that doesn't mean that somebody else can own it as it relates to something else. So Netflix has it as it relates to TV shows and the Air Force Guess what? The Air Force can own it as it relates to military services. That's okay. This beer doesn't prevent the military from using it any more than the Netflix show prevents the military from using it. Everyone can dance together in their land of Space Forceness. Okay, but this does mean that the Space Force military vehicles that go into space have to have the beer and they have to have the Netflix show playing on at the same time? Obvi- obviously. Uh, the, the beer now has to sponsor the military and give a discount to all tr- troops in the space force. More importantly, and what's <laughs> actually wasted in space. <laughs> more importantly and what's actually interesting here is if this is reversed, this conversation becomes interesting. For example, I think we've said on this show before the NYPD, the FBI, they are all trademarked. And that's why, for example, the Spider-Man into the multiverse is the most recent one that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. The, the the NYPD is replaced as P-Y-N-Y or something like that. Yeah, like the uh, PPD. They don't use the trademark names or logos of these government bodies because they don't want to give the impression of endorsing these products or being part of the narrative. Marvel does not ask the NYPD how they want to be portrayed. So to remove any confusion that the NYPD had any affiliation, they use a different trademark. Now, not every government body enforces those rights. And it's arguable if they even could, because I don't think anyone watching Spider-Man thinks the NYPD helped make it. However, we have agencies who do that, and we have artists who respect that and don't cross the line. What's clear here is the Space Force show starring Steve Carell is clearly a parody. The sticky part with this one is it's not actually unrelated to the Space Force that Trump created. The show, from what I know of it, is actually about a high-ranking military member who is put in a position to create Space Force and is not thrilled about the idea. So again, from what I've seen of the show, it seems almost as if they're mocking it. And they are. And that's what's so funny here. If you were the government's attorney, America is first to commerce, not first to file. So it doesn't matter. Netflix filed their trademark first. What matters is they're literally created a show around a government trademark that was already in existence. Trump (laughs) created the Space Force, created the name, logo, brought it out into commerce. And that word can be defined a million different ways that we'll get into on another episode, but it exists. The trademark for Space Force exists under common right law for the government in this space. And Netflix filing a trademark does not affect that at all. In fact, it only solidifies that Space Force existed as a term because that's what this show is. There's a better argument for the government to shut down this show than there is for the show to prevent the government from doing anything. Why? Because the show might like give the idea that the space force of the governments is incompetent. And and one of the benefits of owning the trademark is is it allows you to have the ability to own and control your brand and the message that you send out. So there are options and legal remedies for uses that that you're not okay with. So you're and saying that if the space force doesn't like the show Space Force, they could potentially do something about it. They could potentially do something about it. They have common law rights to this, and as they will soon have registered trademark rights. 
However, the actually interesting thing here is the defenses that the Space Force Netflix show would have. Again, no one's going to sue anyone here. The, the journalists here are completely out of line and ridiculous. And I don't know who knew the USPTO, the United States Patent and Trademark Office website well enough to see that Netflix had filed it without seeing that a beer company did first. And also, for the record, neither the Netflix show or the government body are registered. They're both just applications. And it's very possible that the USPTO says, sorry, Netflix, you're clearly trying to trademark someone else's trademark here. No. However, let's live in that world where the government tries to shut this show down. They go after it and they say, you know what, Steve Carell, go to hell. We're suing you and everyone else who guest starred on this. And to be clear, this is not Steve Carell's problem. <laughs> yeah, this would be Netflix's not. problem, right? I'll, I'll let Steve Carell wrote and produced the show. But yeah, probably not. If he's just the star, this is not his problem. However, their defense is parody. It's We finally get to use it in a context <laughs> where it makes sense. This is the definition of parody. That's right. The court and your honor. This is Steve Carell. He does funny things and funny things include parody. As a legal defense, fair use is a defense. We're not talking about fair use. We're talking about another defense called parody. Parody is using something to make fun of itself. Meaning Steve Carell creating a show about Space Force to make fun of Space Force. Satire, on the other hand, is using, let's say, Space Force to make fun of Disney. You did not need to bring in Space Force into that. You grabbed someone else's IP to come in and make a joke of something else with, and you never needed that that middle IP. Yeah, the reason that parody is, is a valid defense is for that reason alone. It's because you can't actually accomplish what you're trying to accomplish without using that IP. One of the most interesting lawsuits around about parody is the Air Pirates case versus Disney. A lot of students think this set parody law, but the artist's own attorney actually said they set parody law back 20 years because rather than go through the proper legal arguments here, they fought Disney. And, and it's a pretty funny story. Most IP law stems from something Disney related, let's be honest. Well, that's not a joke. I mean, it, uh, lawyers call copyright law and the duration of copyright law existing in America the Mickey Mouse law. Because every time Mickey Mouse almost becomes public domain, Congress suddenly gets a bunch of fast pass tickets to Splash Mountain, and all of a sudden copyright law extends 20 more years. Wait, Crazy. it's called Mickey Mouse law? Have law schools been sued for using that term? No, no, this is what lawyers call it. We don't, it's not the actual law. The law is just the copyright law. <laughs> uh, however, parody law, which we're talking about here, also comes from Disney. The 1971 case, the Air Pirates Funnies versus Walt Disney Company. And basically what happened here, there was a group of four cartoonists who created a bunch of underground funny comic strips involving the Mickey Mouse characters. It was basically as if you took Mickey Mouse world and put them into adult settings. This is again in 1971. So this is this is before people saw those things. Doing drugs, they were having sex, they were doing everything you can imagine in these stories. And these guys were so confident Disney would like it that they actually oh. stormed into a Disney boardroom meeting and <laughs> demanded to have their strips read. And this Disney is... countered saying, call security and our lawyers. This is what happens in movies and television shows. Uh, maybe they were they got too deep into their own material that they thought that this would be well-treated and tolerated. You barge into the room and you say, you have to see this. Stop your meeting. Check out this porn. What's so <laughs> cool here as a legal nerd is basically that they argued such 
good parody law and why parody was okay and satire wasn't. That's where this comes from. This artist basically said, I understand I could create satire around these theme park characters or these comic strip characters. However, if I change the mouse's name to Rudolph or something like that, it's no longer parody. It's just a random adult mouse doing adult things. That's not funny. To be parody and to be funny here, I need to call the mouse Mickey. The reason behind it is because an actually good parody is not going to be confused with the real thing. A bad parody might, but a good parody, people are just going to laugh at that. They're going to know that it's not real. That's why if you see Mickey Mouse on Family Guy or South Park, you know it's not an actual Disney thing. They're making fun of it. That's why it has to be Mickey on South Park doing all these terrible things. They make him a fascist, basically, on South Park, and he forces kids to do whatever he wants them to do otherwise he threatens to beat them and it wouldn't be funny if that mouse was called sam it would be a little funny but it wouldn't be that funny right because parody again parody is using what you're making fun of to make fun of it satire is using mickey to make fun of something else not disney related and you didn't need to use mickey then so now you're just stealing ip for no reason if you're using mickey to make fun of the nfl that's not that's not funny using mickey to make fun of or even if it's funny it's not okay Using Mickey to make fun of Disney is okay under parody law. However, again, that is a defense and you have to get sued and prove that. So that's very expensive. And that's why most people listening to this who think they have a parody game or something like that don't. And I can't tell you how many people put a lightsaber in their game and say, oh, it's parody. That's not parody. You're not even (laughs) making a joke. You're just stealing something. Yeah, you just want to use the lightsaber there. Yeah, I mean, you're you're totally right, Ryan. How many people contact us and say, well, oh, this is a joke. It's a parody, so I can do this, right? No, not necessarily. I mean, just because you make something funny, arguably funny, because most of the time, let's be real, <laughs> it's not that funny, it doesn't make it okay. Yeah, and, and I think that's something that, you know, we forget. Or as lawyers, we're not there to give our opinion on whether or not what you're making is funny. However, that's actually important here. And to Austin's point, you look, everyone always says to us, how does the Simpsons do it? Well, the Simpsons and South Park and Family Guy, they all get away with it because you're literally turning on a comedy program. That's right. They're established parodies. It's messed up that if you want a parody defense, it's more powerful if you've already been known for doing parody. To bring us home on this lawsuit between Disney and these artists, Disney asked the Disney went nuts here. Disney asked the court not only to hold the artist in contempt of court, he also wanted them prosecuted criminally along with their publisher just for publishing the book. Now, the artist went completely the other way here. Rather than succumb to this or be afraid of Disney, he started an underground group of diverse artists for a quote-unquote secret artist organization, calling it the Mouse Liberation Front. An MLF art show was displayed in New York City, Philadelphia, and San Diego, all while Disney was threatening this lawsuit. With the help of some sympathetic Disney employees, they even (laughs) snuck out frames and drawings from Disney to be part of these shows. Mickey Mouse posed at the animation table and allegedly smoked a joint in Walt Disney's (laughs) office, and they recorded it. Wow, that must have gone over real well with the Disney Talk about an incendiary response. The court ordered $2 million in damages against these artists, plus $190,000 in unrecoverable damages. This is the beauty of America. In 1980, for the decision here, the court said $190,000 in damages, but $2 million in legal fees. 
because Disney hired probably 75,000 attorneys and they said, artists, you're responsible for all this. Oh, $2,190,000. Oh. $2, oh my goodness. So and the artist responded by having another art show and disregarding the decision. We are in the wrong area of practice. <laughs> <laughs> These guys became so impossible to wrangle in and kept getting angrier that Disney actually decided to drop all charges and settle the case. <laughs> Please With stop this, putting on art displays. <laughs> the artists agreed to stop their infringement. Disney agreed to drop the charges and everybody walked away at the end here after a decade of these artists doing whatever they wanted. With <laughs> Disney stuff. Wow, Just another example of the people going crazy and getting exactly what they want. The attorney for the artist said he was absolutely flabbergasted because his client came out and said, hell yeah, we won. I said, no, Dan, you lost. He said, no, I won. And he repeated it until I just dropped it. <laughs> he truly believed not going to jail was a victory here. That's a beautiful artistic mind. So again... After all of the theatrics, I truly believe they could have had a good parody case here. They could have won this. They could have set real precedent. Instead, they set parody law back 20 years by succumbing to Disney at the end and really just having fun for nine years. Uh, but they didn't go to jail. They didn't have to pay a $2 million judgment. Happy, yeah, they won. Happy days for them. They absolutely <laughs> felt like they won. Ali, what's a case where parody law actually worked? One of my favorite is actually this case between Louis Vuitton and a company called Hot Diggity Dog. Hot Diggity Dog. Hot Diggity Dog made a series of dog toys that they called Chewy Vuitton. Chewy Vuitton. <laughs> what a fantastic and creative name. And they're adorable. Dogs love these things. They had the classic <laughs> monogram. They're so cute. Yeah, dogs, dogs love, love their monograms. Their style and fashion. They Definitely do. the dog choice. Poor Allie's dog. <laughs> Nori never got a Chewy Vuitton, unfortunately. Oh, I thought you loved her more. Yeah, she's a yeah. bad mommy. <laughs> this case actually was appealed on on various levels but ultimately what the court decided was that this was a successful parody of louis vuitton products that there was no likelihood of confusion between a louis vuitton purse and a dog toy called chewy vuitton but isn't there some problem with this dog toy company like clearly making use of louis vuitton's like with their logo? Well, the, the reason that this won is because they were making a play on Louis Vuitton. And in order to do that, they called it Chewy Vuitton. It was similar. It wasn't identical. They didn't use the LV on the toy. They used something a little bit different. They used it just enough that they were able to make it a joke and make it what was obviously a cute dog toy that people were laughing at rather than a potentially luxurious dog product. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, it's oh, not awesome. glittering gold. Yeah, to your point, Austin, it is obviously confusing and similar, and that is why there's a trademark lawsuit. However, the parody defense basically says, no, these guys are using the Louis Vuitton trademark and having a play on it, making a parody of it to make fun of Louis Vuitton. No one's walking their dog around in a $300 handbag. This well, company was making joke products that could pretend to be that. It's a parody. Just like Space Force is making fun of the government branch. However, no matter whose trademark registers first, it will not affect the U.S. military's ability at all to use the term Space Force. There is no disputing that. No attorney on Earth would say that the Netflix show is going to prevent the U.S. Air Force from using Space Force. This is nonsensical, and I am so ashamed of every journalist who posted this. So long, long story short, we're still going to space, but we're going to be boozing while doing so. 
No, dude. It, no. The Netflix show stopping all that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. But oh you my can watch God. the show you, while you're on the spaceship. Oh, my God. You, I, <laughs> I, you should have seen my face. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I'm talking uh, to the audience. I literally broke you. Um, all right. Thank you all for coming on this journey to the stars with us where we barely talked about Space Force, but you learned something about parody law. And also, see you next week. Goodbye, Craig. That was a HeadGum Podcast.